0: Listening to the Mystical City of God in a year podcast. I'm Father Edward Looney, and throughout the year I'm reading and reflecting on the four-volume over 2500 page work by the Venerable Maria Vagrata. If you would like to discuss today's readings, I invite you to head on over to Facebook, and there you'll find the Mystical City of God in your podcast group page, and you'll be able to share your own thoughts and insights with others who are listening and following along. If you would like to support this free podcast, you can do so by going over to Venmo and sending a tip to the handle Mystical City of God. Let us now thank God for the life of Venerable Maria of Agreda. Almighty God, you will that all people know the saving power of Jesus' name. Throughout time, you have sent missionaries to your people who proclaim the good news. We thank you for sending Sor Maria to the Humano people and planting the seeds of the gospel in their heart and in our land. She taught them the good news and prepared them for baptism. We look to her example in holy life and wish to be taught by her today. Sore Maria, teach us how to pray and meditate. Teach us how to imitate the virtues of Our Lady. Teach us the mysteries of our faith. Almighty God, stir a flame in our hearts the same missionary fervor of Sore Maria, so we may be as emboldened as she was to proclaim the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God Forever and ever. Amen. Today is day number 320, and we are reading from volume 4, book 8, chapter 1, paragraphs 365 to 373. Book 2, part 3, book 8 describes the journey of the Most Blessed Mary with St. John to Ephesus, the death and chastisement of Herod, the destruction of the Temple of Diana. The return of the Most Blessed Mary from Ephesus to Jerusalem, the instructions she gave to the evangelists, the exalted state of her purest soul before her death, her Most Blessed transition, her assumption and coronation in heaven. Chapter 1. The Most Blessed Mary departs with St. John from Jerusalem for Ephesus. St. Paul goes from Damascus to Jerusalem. St. James arrives there. He visits the great queen in Ephesus. Reflections on the mysterious happenings during all these journeys. 3.65 The Most Blessed Mary, having enriched and blessed Saragossa and the kingdom of Spain by her presence and her promises of protection, and having established through St. James and her angels the temple as a monument to her sacred name, was borne by the hands of the seraphim back to Jerusalem. As soon as the great lady of heaven and the queen of angels had left the cloud throne on which she had been born and set her foot upon the floor of the cenacle, she prostrated herself upon it, humbling herself to the dust in order to praise the most high for the favors conferred upon her, upon St. James, and upon the kingdom of Spain in this miraculous journey. At the thought of a temple built in her honor and for her invocation, she, in her ineffable humility, so annihilated herself in her own estimation as seemingly to have entirely forgotten that she was the mother of God, a sinless creature, and without measure superior to all the highest seraphim. She humbled herself and gave thanks for these benefits, as if she were a mere worm of the earth, of less value and guilty of more sins than the creature's. This new debt seemed to her so great that she felt obliged to aspire to new and more exalted degrees of holiness and recompense. This she resolved to do and really accomplished, arriving at a degree of wisdom and humility beyond all our capacity to conceive, 366. In these exercises, and in praying with great fervor for the defense and increase of the church, she spent the greater part of the four days after her return to Jerusalem. In the meanwhile, the evangelist St. John made preparations for the journey and embarkation for Ephesus, and on the fourth day, which was the 5th of January of the year 40, St. John notified her that it was time to leave, for there would be a ship, and all things had been arranged for the journey. The great mistress of obedience, without answer or delay, knelt down and asked permission of the Lord to leave the cenacle in Jerusalem, and then she proceeded to take leave of the owner of the house and its inhabitants." It can easily be imagined how sorrowful they were at this leave-taking, for on account of her most sweet conversation, and because of the favors and blessings received at her liberal hands, all were held captives and prisoners in love and in veneration of her, whereas now all at once they were to be deprived of her consoling presence, and of this rich treasure and wellspring of so many blessings, all of them offered to follow and accompany her. But as this was not opportune, they asked her to hasten her return, and not to forsake forever this house, which was entirely at her disposal. The Heavenly Mother thanked them for these pious and loving wishes by expressing her own humble love, and she somewhat allayed their grief by giving them hope of her return. 367 Then she asked permission of St. John to visit the holy places of our redemption, there to worship and adore the Lord, who had consecrated them by his presence and his precious blood. With the apostles, she made these sacred stations, exhibiting incredible devotion and tears of reverent love. And St. John, deeply consoled at being permitted to accompany her, exercised himself in heroic acts of virtue. The most blessed mother saw at each of these holy places the angels, who had been deputed to guard and defend them, and anew she charged them to resist Lucifer and his demons, lest they destroy or profane by irreverence those sacred spots, as they desired and intended to do through the unbelieving Jews. She told the angels to drive away by holy inspirations the bad thoughts and diabolical suggestions by which the infernal dragons sought to excite the Jews and other mortals to blot out the memory of Christ our Savior in those holy places. And she charged them with this duty for all the future times, since the wrath of the evil spirits against the places and the works of the redemption endures through all the ages. The holy angels obeyed their queen and mistress in all that she had ordained. 3.68. Having satisfied her piety, she asked St. John on her knees to bless her for the journey, just as she had been wont to do with her divine Son. For she continued to exercise the same great virtues of obedience and humility toward the beloved disciple his substitute. Many of the faithful of Jerusalem offered her money, jewels, and vehicles, and all things necessary for her journey to the sea and to Ephesus. The most prudent lady humbly showed her appreciation to all— but except in nothing, for her journey to the sea, she made use of an unpretentious beast of burden, on which she was carried along as the queen of virtues and of the poor. She recollected the journeys and pilgrimages she had made with her divine son and with her spouse Joseph, and these recollections together with the heavenly love which had induced her once more to travel, awakened in her dove-like heart tender and devout affections, in order to be in all things most perfect. She excited new acts of resignation to the divine will and being deprived for the glory and exaltation of his name, of the company of her son and of her spouse, whose consoling presence she had enjoyed on her former journeys. She also resigned herself to the divine will in regard to leaving the quiet of the cenacle, the neighborhood of the sacred places, and the intercourse with so many of the faithful and devout children of the church, and praised the Most High because he had given her the beloved disciple as a companion in her banishment. 369. For her greater alleviation and comfort during this journey, all her holy angels, on her leaving the Cynical, appeared to her invisible in and corporeal forms, surrounding her and protecting her in their midst. With the escort of the celestial host and the human company of St. John, she journeyed to the port where the vessel was ready to sail for Ephesus. She spent her time in oft-repeated and sweet colloquies and canticles with the celestial spirits, sounding the praises of the Most High. At other times, she conversed with St. John, who with admirable reverence was tenderly solicitous to serve her in all that occurred and seemed opportune. The solicitude of St. John was met by the Heavenly Mother with incredible humility and gratitude. For these two virtues, gratitude and humility, made all the favors she received appear to her very great. And although all service was due her injustice, she nevertheless acknowledged it as the most voluntary favor. 370. They came to the harbor and immediately embarked in the ship with other passengers. The great queen of the world was now for the first time upon the sea. She saw and comprehended with clearness the vast Mediterranean and its communication with the great ocean. She beheld its height and depth, its length and breadth, its caverns and secret recesses, its sands and minerals, its ebb and tide, its animals, its whales and fishes of all sizes, and whatever other portentous animals it enclosed. She knew how many men had drowned and perished in voyaging it, and she remembered the saying of Ecclesiasticus, that those who navigate the sea narrate its dangers, and that of David. Wonderful are the surges and pride of the swollen waves. The Heavenly Mother could easily know all this, as well because of an especial dispensation of her divine Son, as on account of her supreme angelic privilege and grace, and of her singular participation in the divine attributes, which resembled those of the most sacred humanity of Christ our Savior. In virtue of these gifts and privileges, her knowledge extended to all these things, not only as they are in themselves and without deceit, but far beyond the sphere of angelic knowledge. 371. When this great panorama of creatures, in which were reflected, as from a most clear mirror, the greatness and omnipotence of the Creator, was presented to her faculties, filled with heavenly wisdom, her spirit winged its ardent flight to the very being of God, so wonderfully reflected in those creatures, and for all of them, and in all of them, she gave praise and glory and magnificence to the Most High. With the compassion of a most loving mother for those who trusted their lives to the indomitable fury of the sea in navigating over its waves, she most fervently brought the Almighty to protect from its dangers all who could call upon her name and ask for her intercession. The Lord immediately granted this petition and promised to favor whoever upon the sea should carry some image of her and should sincerely look upon this star of the sea. Most blessed Mary, for help in its perils accordingly, it will be understood that if the Catholics and the faithful encounter ill success in perish and navigation, it is because they ignore the favors to be obtained from the queen of the angels, or because, on account of their sins, they fail to remember her in raging storms, or fail to seek her favors with sincere faith and devotion. For neither can the word of the Lord ever fail, nor will the great mother ever deny assistance to those endangered by the perils of the sea. 372. Another wonder also happened. For when the most blessed Mary saw the sea with the fishes and other maritime animals, she gave them all her blessing and commanded them to acknowledge and praise their creator in the manner they were capable of. Then it was wonderful to see all the fishes of the sea obeying her command, and with incredible swiftness placing themselves in front of the ship. None of the species of sea animals was missing, each being represented by innumerable multitude. All of them surrounded the ship and showed their hands above the water and with unwanted motions and sighs of pleasure for a long time acknowledged her as the queen and mistress of creatures and showed themselves grateful to her for coming upon the waters and visiting them in their place of habitation. This strange event astonished all the passengers as something never before seen. The multitudes of large and small fishes so crowded and packed together Somewhat impeded the progress of the vessel, and the passengers gazed upon this spectacle, and wonderingly disgusted, for they did not know the cause of this miracle. St. John alone understood, and for a while he could not restrain his tears of devoted joy. After some time he asked the Heavenly Mother to give them her blessing and her permission, to depart, since they had so promptly obeyed her, when asked to praise the Most High. THE SWEETEST MOTHER COMPLIED, AND IMMEDIATELY THAT ARMY OF FISHES DISAPPEARED AND CHURNED THE SEA INTO FOAM BY THEIR QUICK MOTION. THEREUPON THE SHIP PURSUED ITS WAY OVER THE TRANQUIL AND SERENE BOSOM OF THE WATERS, ARRIVING AT Ephesus IN A FEW DAYS. 373. WHEN THEY LANDED, THE GREAT QUEEN CONTINUED TO WORK MIRACLES EQUAL TO THOSE WROUGHT UPON THE SEA. SHE CURED THE SICK AND THE POSSESSED, WHO, AS SOON AS THEY CAME INTO HER PRESENCE, WERE SET FREE. I will not tarry to relate all these wonders, for many books would be necessary and much time to describe all the doings of the Most Blessed Mary and the favors of heaven, which she dispensed as the instrument of the medium of the omnipotence of the Most High. I will record only those which are necessary for this history, which shall suffice to manifest in some measure the unknown and wonderful works of our great Queen and Lady. In Ephesus lived some Christians who had come from Jerusalem. There were not many, but on learning of the arrival of the Mother of Christ the Redeemer, they hastened to pay her a visit, and offer their dwellings and their possessions for her use. But the great Queen of Virtues, who sought neither ostentation nor temporal commodities, chose for her dwelling the house of a few retired and poor women, who were living by themselves, free from intercourse with men. By the intervention of the angels, they lovingly and generously placed their home at the disposition of the Lady." In it, they selected a very retired room for the queen and another for St. John, which these two occupied during their stay at Ephesus. This concludes our reading today for day number 320. We've been reading from volume four, book eight, chapter one, paragraphs 365 to 373. While well, there is something beautiful in our reading today to mull over, to muse over, to really think about, That as Mary heads off to Ephesus, she goes back to these important places of Jesus's life. She's living in Jerusalem. Jerusalem is only a stone throw from Bethlehem. So I imagine she probably goes back to that place where Jesus was born. She goes to all of these significant places in Jerusalem where her son taught, where her son preached, where her son was handed over to death, going to Calvary, going to the tomb. She's reliving it. She may not know she is going to return to Jerusalem or not. And so she wants to have that final remembrance of being at those places so important with her son. And I think that's true for us, that if we have had someone die in our life, that we hold dear some of the memories we have with them. And maybe we go back to some of those places where I live in the state of Wisconsin right now, people are getting ready to go deer hunting and there are lots of memories of people with their families deer hunting, I'm sure. And so what happens is as they go to camp, as they go to their cottage, as they go to their hunting cabin, well, they're going to remember Their father, who used to own that land and gave it to them. Their father, and they're going to go to their hunting stand, and they probably have rituals to remember, and maybe even hoping for some good luck. And for Our Lady, she remembers these events of Jesus's life. Mary gets on the boat, and there's a title of Our Lady, Star of the Sea. It's one of the most popular titles of Mary, Star of the Sea. And we heard it today in our reading that we call out to Mary in a raging storm that we will find her favor if we seek it with sincere faith and devotion. Mary has not denied assistance to those endangered by the perils of the sea. So it is a maritime devotion. You go to... Montreal and on the banks of the St. Lawrence Seaway, there's a church and there's a huge statue of Our Lady atop this church. Well, there she is overlooking those who are coming to port, those who are seeking her help. St. Bernard, I've mentioned him many times, but St. Bernard had this whole phrase, as I've said, you know, if you're in the raging storm, look up to the star, call out to Mary Mary can be a patroness for those on the water and those on a metaphorical raging storm. I'm Father Edward Looney, and throughout the year I'm reading and reflecting on the four volumes of the mystical city of God. I'm grateful you joined me today, and I hope you'll join me again tomorrow. Until then, may God bless you and Mary pray for you.